Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horneman, aka The Thyroid Fixer. Also, functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health-related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. Jen Maleka, I am so pumped to have you here today. I mean, we have talked about your health journey, your thyroid journey. We've talked about how you help other people. We've, we've talked so much off camera that now <laughs> it's time to actually bring you on camera so that we can give all of our conversations and all of your knowledge to my audience. Just to give a little background on Jen, she is a power woman. She has so much training and so much experience under her belt. This is really one that you are going to want to listen to. She focuses on supporting busy health-minded professionals and literally taking back control of their health. And that's why we jive so much because we speak to the same, the same audience. She gives them access to the right lab tests, the resources, so that you listening can find the missing pieces of your health puzzle and actually fix what is wrong. I'm kind of big into the fixing thing. You know, she has over a decade of personal training experience, training in functional diagnostic nutrition, transformational coaching, and a BS in kinesiology. So she's really working to personalize health programs for her clients and give you real sustainable, long lasting results, because that's really the only way to do it. That's the only way that you can be successful. So Jen, thank you so much for jumping on. I'm, I'm super pumped for this conversation. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back, you're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. I am so excited for this conversation too. I knew like that instantly when we met that we had so much in common. I, I remember like one of the first times that we saw each other in person, we were both working out in the hotel gym at one of the retreats that we were at. And I was like, this girl is my vibe. <laughs> yes, exactly. We were kind of one of the only ones in the hotel gym. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was like, you were getting it. And I was like, yes. I was like, we like to work out the same. And then we started talking about thyroid stuff. And I love, you know, Amy, how we've just been able to collaborate in so many ways to help people, you know, get a handle on their thyroid and their health too. So thank you for all of your time and effort and your voice and having me here so we can share even more insights with people. 
Exactly. Let's do it. So you have, I I told you before, I want to start with your story because you have a very interesting thyroid journey yourself. So Mm -hmm. let's start there. Yeah. I mean, my stories uh, actually started even before I was diagnosed with a thyroid problem. And, you know, looking back, like, I think it's always so interesting when we take a moment to really look back at our history. And I definitely had some thyroid stuff going on even before I received that diagnosis, as I'm sure so many of the people here listening to us can relate to this. Like you start to put together the pieces and go, oh yeah, that was probably an early symptom or a clue that was happening for me. And I look back and, you know, when I was getting my degree in kinesiology, learning everything there was to know about fitness, nutrition, and health, supposedly, you know, back then I was struggling with my weight. Like I was dieting like crazy. I was working out super hard and it was really challenging to actually like maintain my weight at an ideal level for me, which led me to get into doing fitness competitions, like more extreme dieting and exercise approaches. And even with that, it was really still a challenge. And actually the thing that kind of like changed the trajectory for me was actually getting diagnosed with skin cancer in my twenties, which was really uncommon and completely unexplained. Like my doctors couldn't explain why I had skin cancer and it was melanoma. Like it wasn't, you know, good essentially. And it was really an anomaly because there was no like related skin cancer history in my family or anything like that. And so this moment in my life forced me just to look at health differently and start searching for other answers and realizing that there were missing pieces to my health puzzle because I started to reflect and go, well, I've always had struggle with my weight and I had actually been accumulating like really severe seasonal allergies that would lead into ear infections and take me out for days at a time. And I felt exhausted in the afternoons all the time, which could have been an early thyroid symptom as well too. And I was starting to have like sensitivities to chemical smells like perfumes and Sharpie markers. And back then I didn't know that it was a chemical sensitivity. I actually didn't really think anything of it. You just live with it, you know? So I actually found then functional diagnostic nutrition, which is a lab testing and training and certification program that is available for people. And that really changed my perspective on what health meant. And I found through functional lab testing that I had a lot of hormone imbalances. I had been on the birth control pill for over 17 years. I had bacterial overgrowth going on in my gut and I had a really congested liver. And so I got to work cleaning up all of those things and started to see a lot of improvements and was feeling actually really good, Amy. Like when I got married at 30, I I was, you know, at my, an ideal weight, I would say feeling really fantastic. And then shortly after that, things started to go haywire again and come to find out we had toxic mold in our home which then triggered more imbalances in my body. You know, life still happens. We can't always predict these types of things. And this was when I finally actually was then formally diagnosed with 
um, hypothyroidism, as well as Hashimoto's, essentially. So luckily, having the experience that I had and the, the training and the expertise, again, I was able to get to work and ultimately reverse my Hashimoto's within six months. And I'm sitting here still in remission. So happy to share insights today about how I made that happen and get things back on track, essentially, you know, and it, I love sharing this because I want to create a mindset of possibility for everybody that's out there that's dealing with thyroid or other type of health issues that it is possible to take back control of your health, basically. So do you think it was the mold exposure in that home that kind of flipped the Hashimoto switch for you? I do. I think it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, essentially. You know, when I got diagnosed with these things and discovered this, you know, kind of forced me to start looking at family history, though, also. Mm -hmm. And so looking at my mom's side of the family specifically, like my come to find out my aunt had had her thyroid removed at one point in time. So, and looking at them and just realizing that there was always like a weight struggle going on in that side of the family, there's probably some genetic predispositions that I had. And then talking with my dad about his side of the family, apparently my grandma had been on thyroid medication as well too. So, you know, we have these underlying genetic factors, but you know, we know through the study of epigenetics now that like genetics don't actually determine our health outcomes. It's, you know, essentially our lifestyle and our environment. So when you've got a genetic factor and then you encounter something like mold, for example, which is very toxic to the body that elevates estrogen in the body. And we know that elevated estrogen can trigger then thyroid imbalances as well, but also the stress and inflammation that it causes and the dysfunction in the adrenals um, balance can also then affect our thyroid. So it was like this perfect storm of probably metabolic chaos in all sides yeah. <laughs> that ultimately, like, like I said, was kind of the camp, the straw that broke the camel's back in this situation, I would say. Okay. Yeah. And I know a lot of people can resonate with your story because it usually is that one point of time that you can pinpoint and say, you know what, everything started to go downhill after this. And it can be a pregnancy. I always talk about pregnancy being a stressor on the body. Yeah, it's natural and our bodies are built for it, but it still is a stressor. So any kind of stressor, good or bad, can really flip that switch. So Jen, what did you do then to basically put your Hashimoto's into remission? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I did that were really essential in helping me to be able to achieve that. And first and foremost, like I went on, I really committed to what I say is a modified autoimmune paleo diet. AIP is, and I say that because I think that it's, you know, AIP can get really detailed on a lot of like herbs and like all the things which I think some people have to go to that degree, depending on like where they're at with their health and what's going on. So luckily I caught it so early, like my antibodies were elevated, but they weren't like astronomical. So I was able to like do a modified AIP diet, which was basically eliminating some of the primary AIP foods like grains, dairy, nuts, seeds, beans, legumes, and nightshade vegetables. I committed to being completely alcohol-free until I got my antibodies down to a better level, which I am a, a wine connoisseur and lover. So that was a, a pretty big 
commitment in itself. Luckily, I already had really good sleep routines and habits in place, but I want to emphasize for the audience that like sleep is essential for healing the body. And so what that looked like for me and what I really encourage a lot of people to do is like making sure that you are sleeping in accordance with your body's natural circadian rhythm, which means you know, being adamant about being asleep by 10 PM and then waking up with the sunrise and the morning time or a little bit before essentially. Mm -hmm. And there was a plethora of supplements that we can dive into if that makes sense today, but exercise was also a really big one. And this was something that took me a minute to figure out because as we were saying, like Amy and I love working out intensely. I love hitting the gym super hard. And so in the beginning, I maintained my normal exercise routine, which at the time was a lot of Olympic lifting. I would like run the mile down to the gym. I would hit the weights super hard, like heavy deadlifts, you know, go full bore. And then I would run home. And I was doing that multiple times a week on type of just running longer distances. And initially with all the changes that I was making with like my diet and supplements, I was getting some results, but I wasn't making progress as quickly as I wanted to. And so that's when I had to have a little come to Jesus moment with myself. And I committed to 30 days of only doing yoga and walking in order to give my body the ability to actually recover because one of the things that people don't understand or don't think about is that exercise is a stress on the body. Mm -hmm. And when the body is in an already depleted state, when we're dealing with something like a thyroid imbalance, definitely an autoimmune condition, the intensity of the exercise can actually be breaking down the body when the body doesn't have the resources and the availability to actually fully recover. So we're kind of digging ourselves into a hole by holding on to like some of our exercise habits and routines. And for active people like us, Amy, like it's super hard to let go of yeah. some of that stuff because it was part of who I was, you know, it was part of my identity and a sorts. But I'll say that when I made that commitment within that 30 day period is when I really started to make some leaps and bounds and like losing the 15 pounds that I had slowly put on over time. Uh, my energy came back, like the antibodies started to drop and things just got so much better, quicker, basically. Well, I'm glad you brought that up about the exercise. So let's kind of go down that, that rabbit hole a little bit. You're right, Jen. I mean, the, most of us in this entrepreneurial world, even in the health space, we tend to be a little bit crazy, right? We tend to be type A drivers and we put a huge emphasis on our workouts. And now add on top of that, a thyroid problem. So where the listeners can really resonate if they're not resonating with us being a little bit crazy with our workouts is in the trying to work out so that they can lose the damn weight that isn't coming off. So they diet more and they work out more and it's not working. So they work out harder and now they're going seven days and maybe they'll join CrossFit. And everything that you're saying is basically you did the opposite and <laughs> chilled out and your body responded. So let's kind of go down that hole a little bit more. Yeah. And this is not just me. This is a lot of people, right guys? Like most of the 
clients that I work with directly, this is exactly the scenario that they're in when they come to work with me is that they are long distance runners, marathon runners, competitive runners, bikers, they're into CrossFit, like they are working out already. And what they don't realize is that the intensity of their exercise is part of what is preventing them from losing weight or sleeping great or having the energy that they desire. And this is you know, the conditioning that we have received through society is that exercise and diet are the answer to everything, right? Like if you've got weight to lose, or if you have high blood pressure or cholesterol, then you are told, we've been told for so long, eat less and move more, which in some respect is true, but we have to like make that relative to us basically. You know, what I like to kind of do with people is shift their perspective around the word stress to start with, help you understand how exercise could be actually getting in the way of achieving the results that you want. So we have to like adapt or adopt a new definition of stress is that stress is anything that burdens the body that results in inflammation and dysfunction internally. So stress could be the types of foods that you're eating potentially if they aren't right for you, basically, like if we're eating inflammatory foods that some of the common ones that we know about, like gluten and dairy and some of that stuff, but Also, it could be if you're eating the wrong macronutrients for what your body needs, that's creating a stress internally. Or if you're not sleeping in accordance with your circadian rhythm, that is stressing the body. Or we can have physical, like structural stress when the muscles are tight and bones are out of alignment, that can create stress internally. We've got Things like crossing different time zones can stress the body. So if you're somebody who loves to travel like I do, we have to be conscious of those things. Mm -hmm. Or we can have things like bacteria, parasites, yeast overgrowth in the gut. We can have environmental toxins like molds and other types of things that all have a level of stress that is placed on the body. So what I want the audience to think about is that whatever you're experiencing today in your health is not something that happened overnight. It's an accumulation of stressors over time that have burdened the body to basically deplete it. And then eventually things break essentially, right? And then we get that diagnosis. And so when I look at my lifestyle, like over time, I can see that exercise was one piece of that puzzle, but also all these other factors come into play. You know, thinking about the extreme dieting that I did when I was doing fitness competitions, like that was stressing my body out, the carb cycling, like all the like low calorie stuff that was happening. And then I was placing a high demand on my body with exercise. And so when we exercise at a high intensity level, um, and this happens at a low intensity level too, but not to the same depth we are basically breaking down muscle and bone tissue and asking the body to rebuild. And so in order for the body to rebuild, it needs to have the nutrients and the resources available to do that. So if we're not getting those nutrients and resources because we're eating like a calorie restricted diet or we're not eating the right foods for our body, then it can't rebuild. Or if we're not sleeping through the night, which is when the body does all of its restoration and repair, for example, then you're constantly in this depleted state, which is why I was saying you're literally 
digging yourself a hole that you are going to have a really hard time getting out of. We can see this like on the testing that I do when clients come through my practice, we do like the Dutch test, which looks at cortisol balance and other hormones. And we can see the insights of chronic stress and inflammation essentially. And so this is a tool that can then guide recommendations for things like exercise. So a lot of times, you know, my clients will be in this depleted state. And so initially when we start working together, the recommendation is to reduce exercise intensity for a period of time to give the body the space that it needs to recover, to stop digging the hole essentially so they can climb their way out of it. And then eventually once we have corrected diet, like figured out the foods that are exactly ideal for their body, replenish their body through food, through sleep and through supplementation and toxin removal, then they can restore or resume that intense exercise and they know how to like consciously make exercise decisions in any given moment about like by looking at, okay, what was the burden of stress that my body was under yesterday because I traveled or the foods that I ate or I was home and everything was great. Now I can choose exercise on a day-to-day -day basis that's in alignment with where my body's at and how I want to be feeling essentially. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And I think it's important to mention that this is not just for the undiagnosed, like maybe you are experiencing the symptoms of hypothyroidism and you're not quite sure what it is. And we're talking about, you know, triggers and flipping the switch and the stressors on the body to flip that switch to Hashimoto's. This is also if you are in the process of healing. I mean, this is for my patients as well. I try to do a lot of these interviews almost like with my patients in mind, like what are they struggling with? Why can't maybe some of them are stuck or why are some of them stuck? Why can't they get to that next level? And mm -hmm. in speaking with my guests, this brings to light a lot of things that they need to be thinking of, such as, are you still working out to a crazy intense point because it's in you, it's part of you, like Jen said, or you're still trying to get that extra weight off. You're still trying to push your body that extra mile and that's working against you instead of for you. So mm -hmm. I love diving into all of the different factors beyond just, yes, thyroid hormone replacement, supplementation, bioidentical hormone replacement, all fantastic, not opposed to it, all necessary. Obviously that's what I do with my patients and Jen, I'm sure you look at, I mean, I know you do because we've talked about your patients like, Hey, what about this thyroid medication, upping this, lowering this, that's all important, but you can't just do that mm -hmm. and not look at all of the other things that are affecting the body. And I love how you broke down the, the stressors of the body, because I think that does expand a person's mind into, no, it's not just you lost your job stress or marital stress, or your kids are driving you crazy stress. It right. can be all these other things that are stressors on the body. Yeah. I want to give an example here. Cause I know that we probably have a lot of women listening to us, you know, think about this. This is such a common scenario, whether you're married or you're single is that after a long, you know, work week, for example, you go on a Friday night, have happy hour with your girlfriends. Right. And so you have a couple of drinks and then we know that having a couple of drinks lowers our inhibitions. And maybe we had intentions to make healthy food choices, but 
you end up eating the cheese plate or like the other things and then you're having such a good time and so you end up staying out later than you intended right and then because of the wine that you drank or the cocktails that you had and the foods that you ate you don't get a great night's sleep and then what is like the thing that every woman in this experience i can guarantee you has woken up in the morning and felt like she needed to do go work it off at the gym right so even though you're not feeling great, you go sweat it out at the gym. And I used to do this too, right? Because again, this is part of the conditioning that we have had in our society is that exercise is the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. I used to get up and like go for long runs and be like, I have to burn off all the things that I ate and drank. Like this old concept yeah. of calories in versus calories out, you know, diet and exercise But like, if you just take what I just told you and think about stress in this new light, you would see that like, oh, like I just actually put a lot of stress burden on my body. I had a stressful week. I didn't sleep great. I didn't eat so great. And so what, like you can wake up in the morning and go, what does my body actually need from me in order to recover from all of this? And intense exercise is actually not the answer. And I also want to make sure that we are clear that movement is still important. Like it is super important for us to be moving every single day, but this is where you can start to like shift your perspective and make like conscious, educated, like decisions in, in that given moment to go, what was my burden of stress like? And then what type of exercise does my body need right now in order to get the results that I want and feel like my best. And that's when we can wake up on those mornings and go, yeah, I think I just need to go for a walk or do some yoga today, do something a little bit lighter. And that can be really hard when you are like a very exercise oriented individual. Like I have been my whole entire life. Like I used to be so rigid in my routines. I'm sure you know this too, Amy, like, okay, it's leg day, you know, then it's like back and shoulders day. And this is this day. And so being so stuck and rigid in the routine, because you think that that's, what's going to get the results. But like the hardest part is giving yourself the flexibility to make those exercise choices in the moment based on what your body is going to respond best to essentially. Oh yeah. And if you missed a day, then you do two a day. So you could make that workout up in, you know, all in the same day. So God forbid you skipped one. I totally get it. Now, what would you say to the other group of women who they're so tired, like they are exhausted. They can't even imagine working out. They want to. And like you said, Jen, movement is important. We kind of got to get them moving even for the circulation, the, the regulation of blood glucose, all of the benefits of even moderate exercise. What do we say to them? Yeah. So I, I'm so glad you're asking this question because I think that there are a couple of things that are really important in this scenario. And one is that you have to learn to value sleep more than diet and exercise. So you cannot out diet, out supplement, out hormone replacement, out, you know, anything, poor sleep routines and cycles. And so I mentioned earlier, it is essential and critical for us to be sleeping in alignment with our body's natural rhythm, which is the circadian rhythm. 
So we are what's called, we forget that we're animals, by the way, like we are mammals. And so we have a rhythm just like our animals do. And that's kind of what I'm talking about here is like, you know, we are diurnal mammals, which means that we are day dwellers. We are not night dwellers, but like our modern day world and society has like, you know, motivated us to be night dwellers, which is not natural for us necessarily. And so what's really important, I think the first step here is making sure that you are asleep by 10 p.m. and recognizing that every hour of sleep before midnight is worth two hours of rest for your body. What's really helpful in this context is if you Google a Chinese medicine body clock, you're going to see these like graphics and visuals on the internet. And Chinese medicine has been using these concepts for a really long time, but this really depicts like the the balance or the cycle of the body according to the circadian rhythm. And there's certain things that happen at very specific times of the day based on the sun cycle. So our circadian rhythm, our natural internal rhythm is balanced by the sun cycles. And so this is why you're gonna see in the winter time, you might feel a little bit more tired when we have shorter days and that's actually totally natural and normal and we should honor that. One, we want to make sure that we're sleeping in accordance to that rhythm by the, based on the like going to bed by 10 p.m. and maybe sleeping through until the sun comes up. But the other thing is making sure that you're sleeping through the night. So if you're not sleeping through the night, there can be some reasons to that. One is that you're not eating the right ratios of proteins, carbs, and fats in your meals and specifically before bedtime. Two is that you've got some detoxification stuff that's going on. Or three, oftentimes it can be emotional stuff, like specifically related to grief that can be happening. And so we can look at all those things to help us essentially sleep through the night, basically. But we have to learn to value sleep more than exercise and diet. Like I tell my clients, if you didn't get a good night's sleep, then no, I don't really want you exercising tomorrow. You have to get that good sleep. And when we're sleeping right it actually helps us to get more out of the food that we're eating, basically. So you're 10xing your ability to get the nutrients and, and utilize the nutrients from your food when we're sleeping right. So we got to make sure that those two things are really dialed in, I think, which is going to help with the energy component. Like when we're well-rested and well-nourished, we're automatically going to have more energy ultimately. And then I think the other thing that's really important here too is from a motivational perspective and energy perspective is recognizing when is the best time to do exercise during the day based on your energy cycle. And I think one of the challenges again is from a societal perspective you know, there's so much expectation and demand that we feel when it comes to our work. I mean, a lot of people are doing their intense exercise after work in the yeah. evening times. Like I used to work in the gym industry and our highest traffic time was after work, right? Like that five to seven window. And that's actually the worst time of day for you guys to be doing intense exercise, Again, in accordance with this like internal like rhythm that we have in the circadian rhythm, 
it's better for you to actually do intense exercise within the morning time, within a couple of hours of waking up. And then you can do light things like going for a walk or like yoga in the afternoon or the evening times. And I find that, you know, my clients that are really low on energy, Amy, like when they start really focusing on these things, their energy just starts making leaps and bounds and coming up basically. Mm-hmm, exactly. And do you find that people they'll use the, I'm a night owl as an excuse, but realistically, like you said, we all have a circadian clock mm-hmm. and that doesn't change just because you like staying up till midnight watching Netflix or because you're on your computer, finishing up a presentation for work until 1am. Like, no, your circadian clock is the clock. It's mm-hmm. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is that rest and restore time. So like Jen said, if you're getting to bed at midnight, you've lost essentially four hours of rest and repair because each hour before that counts as two. I love that. So if you're losing four hours of rest and repair, how do you think your body's going to be responding the next day? And now it's an excuse. Now your fatigue is real, but you're using that as an excuse to not move because you can't get your ass to bed in time. Exactly. I love dispelling the night owl myth with people because people are like, I've been a night owl my whole life. And when we actually fix their diet and fix like their balance of their body, they are so adamant about going to sleep by 10 PM because they feel so much better and we get rid of that. So the night owl thing that happens to us that like second wind or feeling wired, but tired at nighttime is because we're getting some type of cortisol surge that's happening. Mm -hmm. So cortisol, that hormone in the body is, you know, it's uh, related to stress response. It's related to the response to inflammation in the body. It's also related to drops in blood sugar and a lot of other reasons as well too. But also because we live in a modern society, we can basically create a, a fake environment where the body still thinks that the sun is up. So when the lights are on in the house, temperature is still up in the house for various reasons, it tricks the body into thinking the sun is still up. And so that natural like come down doesn't necessarily happen. So by controlling your environment a little bit better, dimming the lights around you and setting your thermostat so it starts cooling off in the evening times can all help like actually overcome that feeling of being a night owl. And I find too, that people that are so-called night owls, one of the biggest reasons why they feel that way is because they've got parasites, bacteria, and yeast overgrowth going on in their gut. And those little critters, those gut bugs are nocturnal. So when the sun goes down, they get super active internally, which can then trigger the body's stress response, releasing that cortisol that gives us that adrenaline kind of rush that's happening. So there's a lot of things to look at in that case, but the reality is, is that you're not naturally a night owl. That's just an indication that there's something else going on that you need to address basically. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And if you're not sleeping well, you are going to be more hungry the next day as well, because your glucose is going to be all out of whack. Your insulin and glucose regulation is going to be thrown off from one night of wacky sleep. So now we're going to move into food because off camera, Jen and I were talking about her metabolic typing. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating, crazy fascinating, because I've been saying 
for the last few weeks now, kind of the theme of the last few podcasts has been about weight loss and really getting into the tracking. I'm really big into tracking with my patients too, because I even personally find it eye-opening when, when I just write down my food, when I write down literally, and I'm not talking recall at the end of the day. I mean, every time something goes in your mouth, you put it down, whether you're using an app or good old fashioned pen to paper, you write it down, you look up those calories or you let your app track those calories, carb macros, all of them, calories, carbs, fat, protein. And you look at it at the end of the day. And I guarantee you what you think that you are putting in your mouth is not what is going to be on that paper or in that app. Mm -hmm. So Jen and I talked off camera a little bit deeper about really getting into that macro breakdown of what each individual needs. So I'm going to hand that over to you, Jen, to kind of expand on that because I find it fascinating. Yeah. I mean, this is such a big one. And like when I work with clients, the first thing that we focus on is figuring out what foods are right for their body so they can actually function at their potential, which instantly increases energy, helps them sleep through the night. And then of course, those things are going to help them to lose weight or achieve that ideal weight that they want. And again, like we have to recognize that you are unique. And so therefore your food needs are going to be unique too, just like your exercise needs essentially. And we're always trying to fit ourselves into like, you know, a box like, oh, this diet specifically here. And where a lot of diets kind of lead you astray is that they are, you know, or you lead yourself astray through them essentially is that they are a framework, but they're not personalized to you. And if we look at something like, you know, even paleo, autoimmune paleo, Whole30 or some of the popular ones that are out there. All of those diets are focused on elimination. So they are eliminating specific foods, but they're not addressing the right breakdown of protein, carbs, and fats for your body specifically, which is a huge missing piece to the puzzle, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we look at something like a keto diet, which is hyper-focused on macronutrient breakdown, like really high fats, moderate proteins, super low carb. And then we see people eating keto that are like not eliminating foods, right? So they're eating inflammatory foods and not getting the results. So we've got to look at like, how do we blend the concepts here to really figure out what foods are right for your body? So this is where I apply two tools. One of them is a food sensitivity test because You know, there is like, there could be foods that you're sensitive to that your body is like responding and creating a lot of inflammation and internal stress. And then I do metabolic typing to look at what are the right breakdowns of protein, carbs, and fats that are right for your body specifically. And we can get really, again, like specialized in what foods that are right for your body to eat. Cause like, you know, we could all globally agree that it's like accepted that a banana, for example, is a healthy food. It's like high in potassium, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is that if you have a food sensitivity to a banana or your body doesn't tolerate carbohydrates very well, for example, then that banana actually isn't right for you. And this was a personal game changer for me. So with metabolic typing, this was developed by Dr. Bill Walcott, something that I've been trained in. And from a basic perspective with metabolic typing, there are three different types of metabolic types. There's protein types on one end of the spectrum. There are carbohydrate types on the other end of the spectrum. And then there are mixed types in the middle of the spectrum. And I want you to think of this as like a sliding scale. So 
I'm a protein type, meaning that I do better with a diet that's higher in protein, like moderate in fats and like lower in carbs. But like my husband is more extreme protein than I am. He's basically carnivore, which is where he feels really great, but I need a little bit of carbs, right? But versus people who are carbohydrate types, they actually do really well with a higher amount of carbohydrates, less proteins and fats. And this is based upon how your body metabolizes fuel, basically. Like, are you, you know, a fast oxidizer, slow oxidizer? Are you more parasympathetic or sympathetic driven? essentially. And so what we can do is we can start to get an idea of what our body responds best to by actually paying attention to how our body is responding to food. So after you eat, you can like check in with your body within a window of about 30 minutes to two hours later to see how your body is responding to the food that you just had. And your body's going to give you clues, basically. If you feel full, but still hungry, for example, then that could mean that you had too much fat and protein and you needed a little bit more carbs. Or if you feel anxious or tired afterwards, that could mean you had too many carbs and you needed more fat and protein. And this is just a huge disconnect that we have. Like we're always moving through life, like on autopilot, not paying attention, but our body is talking to us all of the time, essentially. And with metabolic typing, we can even go deeper than that. There's a meta, there's a comprehensive metabolic typing assessment, which will get into the nitty gritty, gritty details about the exact foods that are right for your body. So for me, this was so eye-opening because, you know, coming up in the fitness world and having a degree in kinesiology and all the things that we're conditioned to think about food, like I was eating, you know, boneless, skinless chicken breasts, like lean proteins and like broccoli all the time and come to find out through metabolic typing that actually dark meat chicken was better for me than white meat chicken. And so when I made that shift, I started to feel more satiated in between meals. I didn't feel like I needed to snack all the time. My energy was more even. I started to be able to maintain my weight much better. And part of that is because I do better with proteins that are higher in fat and purines. So another difference is like, I'm better with a ribeye versus a flank steak because that ribeye is going to be higher in fat and purines. So details like this can be a game changer for people. And then you start to like, understand what your body really needs over a period of time. And then you just know, and it becomes like so easy just to give your body the food that, that it needs because you feel good afterwards. And so it's such an incentive to do that essentially. Now, do you ever find that you have someone that is insulin resistant, obviously like their labs show insulin resistance, but yet they need more carbohydrates or do you normally find it pairing up with what you're seeing in their labs too? I normally find it pairing up with what we see in the labs, essentially in the metabolic typing work, you know, it's kind of been estimated that 80% of the population needs more fat and protein, basically, that yeah. that's where they do better. And a very small percentage of people are more carbohydrate uh, types and then it's small percent are mixed types. And I think this is where we've just seen so many things diet-wise go wrong in our society is that there's just been such a huge emphasis, right, on processed carbs and, you know, the not enough focus on good quality proteins and fats, which is where we essentially are going to feel our best. But also part of that, as you said earlier, Amy, is the sleep cycle piece of this, right? Is that 
part of that insulin resistance trap that people are in is because they're not sleeping great, which is creating disruption in the middle of the night, that circadian rhythm. And it's like this vicious cycle that we can just get caught in. I will say on that note, like when I was originally like diagnosed with all the hypothyroidism, Hashimoto stuff, you know, that was kind of the time frame. Of, what was it? 2017 or 2018 when keto started to become really like mainstream popular. And I had a desire to move in that direction. But while I was healing my thyroid, I had to eat three meals a day and I couldn't go very low carbohydrate at that point in time. I needed a little bit more moderate carbohydrates for myself. And mm -hmm. so once I actually like got into remission with Hashimoto's and then kind of balanced out the hypothyroidism stuff, I was able to slowly progressively work towards a, a lower carbohydrate type of diet and intermittent fasting, which like now that I'm in a really good balanced state, that is my typical mode of eating. Like I basically don't break my fast until about 10 or 11 and I eat two primary meals per day. And that's pretty like low carb basically like probably, but even then I'm not straight keto. Like I would say that I feel best with about 50 grams of carbs per yeah. day is like my sweet spot essentially. And that's where I even try to encourage people to get to. I mean, really, unless you're a raging type two diabetic, chances are that you can stay under 50 total and maybe you're not dropping into true ketosis, but you're still lowering your carbohydrate load that allows your body to shift over and use your fat for fuel or use the fat that you're eating for fuel. And I just find that almost going too low and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're getting away from keto in society now, and we kind of call it low carb because there's mm -hmm. not that emphasis on let's shove, like you said, Jen, all these inflammatory foods like pork rinds and cheese and, and cream cheese and all these fats into our face. And then we overload the fat and we wonder, Hey, why isn't this keto thing working for me? Well, it's because you're inflamed from all the garbage fat that you're eating because right. you think you have to hit a, hit a fat goal and keep your carbs really super low under 20. And that's really not the case. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway for everybody here that we've been talking about is when exercise and when diet right now is recognizing that you are a unique individual and you have unique needs and we can't be fitting our, like trying to fit ourselves into these boxes. We can use them as a framework, but ultimately we have to figure out what is right for our individual bodies, you know, needs. And that can change on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I would say, like, even though I eat low carb, I know that during certain times of my menstrual cycle, like around ovulation and right before I start to menstruate, I actually bump up my carb intake mm -hmm. just to ensure that my body feels like safe and in a good um, place in order to facilitate those actions in my body so that I'm not creating a, a feeling of famine that's happening, which my body's going to reserve resources because, right. you know, the female body does not want to get pregnant during a time of famine. So it will postpone, you know, ovulation or start to mess with your menstrual cycle. And I think we just have to be conscious of that. And it's just paying attention to our body at any time and what it needs. And it's just, it's just not something that we're used to doing, but that is the key ultimately, I think, to health, learning to tune, tune into your body at any point in time and give it exactly what it needs in order to feel like your best self, you know? Yeah.
Yeah, no, I love this. And this has been such a great conversation, really tying in all those key important points that we could do separate podcasts on each of them, but really putting it all together, unboxing it for people to let them realize that there's so much more that they can do outside of just you know, taking thyroid medication, taking hormones, taking supplements. Yes, it is about those little things that you have control over like your sleep, like your exercise, like your food. And for those wanting to learn more about the metabolic typing that Jen's talking about, you do have a free download that people can do. And I find this very, very interesting just to get started. I mean, it's not going super deep, but from what you've told me about this, it really is going to give them some great insight. And we'll put this in the show notes, the food and body language log. Mm -hmm. So tell them a little bit about that and also how to find you. Yeah. So the food and body language log, you guys is going to help to help you tune into your body to figure out what it needs from a macronutrient perspective. So the right ratio of protein, carbs, and fats for your body specifically. And it's actually, it's super easy to do. So like in a nutshell, what you do is you, like Amy was saying, you write down what it is that you ate and then either from a visual perspective, or if you're somebody who likes to measure your food and get super specific about it, you can measure your food to kind of figure out, okay, what was the ratio of protein, carbs, and fats that I had in this meal? And then what you do, once you write that down and make that little notation, set a little timer on your phone so that somewhere in the window between like 30 minutes to two hours later, you're going to check in and see how your body is responding. And the guide is going to have you look at specific response checkpoints. And based on those responses, it's going to be indicators as to whether you had too much fat and protein protein or too many carbohydrates in that meal. And then based on that input, you can then start adjusting what your plate looks like to really dial in and get a clear understanding of how much fat and protein you need in every single meal to feel satiated, you know, be able to go three to five hours between meals or more without feeling hungry, have an abundance of energy in between your meals. This is also going to help to reduce any digestive stress, bloating that might be going on so that you're just digesting better as well too, which then you're going to get more nutrients out of your food to help you feel better. And it is like life-changing when I take all of my clients through this and it was life-changing for me as well. So we'll drop that link, like Amy says, and then you guys can connect with me, follow me over on Instagram. That's the place that I love to hang out the most. My handle over there is holistic health boss and holistic is uh, spelt with a W like whole foods basically. And also my website is holistichealthboss.com. I send out a regular newsletter um, with information like we talked about today to help you guys just find those missing pieces to your health puzzle so you can get back to feeling like yourself again, or maybe for the very first time ever. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much, Jen. I, I know the audience appreciates you, appreciates this conversation. So thank you for your time today and for the free gift, because I think that's going to be a game changer for people. I really do. I think so too. Thanks for having me on, Amy, and maybe we'll have to come back and catch some of these other things at some point in time. A lot deeper in sleep. I think so, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. My favorites. Awesome. Definitely. Well, thanks, Jen. <laughs>